I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. Aww. And with the hand gestures, well done. That no one I saw like them. That. You counted backwards. You said instead of one, know, two, three, you said three, two, I, one. You know, totally threw me I, off. I know. I, it's funny because as I was doing that, I was like, wow, I never do three, two, one. I always do one, two, three. I always wonder about this too. Is it when people say something like, okay, let's go on three. Ready? One, two, three. Do you go on three or do you go one, two, three, go? One, two, three, go then that's not go on three. That's go after three. I don't say go on three. I just say one, two, three. And then I assume everyone's like, okay, one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. (laughs) Right? That's like a rock, paper, scissors. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors. One, two, three, go. Like how many people have done that? Oh no, I do one, two, three. One, two. See, so you go on three. One, two, three, go. One, two, three. Oh yeah. Don't you? One, two, three. (laughs) Nope. I do one, two, three. Then we're, go. We're visualizing. We're doing rock, paper, scissors over Zoom <laughs> so that I don't even think we can see each other's hands and you certainly can't see us. So this is <laughs> ridiculous. But hey, wait, have I mentioned one of the most exciting things? Did I mention it last week? One of the most exciting things like ever of all yeah. time with anything to yeah. do with anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Did. Yeah. Next subject. Yeah. <laughs> no, what? That I got a black Christmas tree. You did? What? Yeah, I did mention it. Okay, you guys. No, you didn't. Okay. What the? That's not a Christmas tree. Says who? Says Santa, says Father Christmas, says, oh, I don't but know. You can get a pink flocked one or a fucking white flocked one and it's a tree? Come on. I don't agree. I don't agree with the white frosted ones. If okay. you want a white frosted one, you, you got to like put some tinsel on or put some snow on it. Like, I, a tree is green. I get it. You need a green tree. Okay. So, but back okay, to my- go ahead. You're so excited about your dark black goth tree. One of my <laughs> clients said, Oh my God, I was at this estate sale and I saw this vintage black Christmas tree and I thought of you. And I was like, Holy shit. Yes. And I've known this girl for so long. <laughs> she knows me well. And right. I was like, Oh my God. So, of course, immediately, I mean, after our session, I started looking for black Christmas trees. I got one. It is so rad. It is set up in my front room, which I feel like, I don't know, for those of you who've seen Garden State and Natalie Portman and her mom, they have the Christmas tree set up all year round. I feel like that. <laughs> right, right. Yep. That's like your third Garden State reference in the last month. I love, love, love Garden State. There's mm. so much to reference. You know, one of my favorite parts is when she goes, Whatever you do can never, ever, ever be repeated. Right. And she, and she goes like this with her finger. <laughs> he does that. No, he does that. Oh, he does and she, that. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So good. Anyway, so I'm really excited. I ordered the ornaments. I'm going to do matte black and pink like ornament like balls and then little white lights. Aww. I know. I'm so excited. So I'm basically going to have a Christmas tree set up. You're around. Like, mid-November, but oh my I don't goth. care. It's not goth, <laughs> ding dong. It's I'm not dark. a goth. I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you just love black. It's like love it. pretty much your favorite color and everything you have is black, black and pink or white. I know. Yeah. With some pink splashes, but that that's, yeah. again, I say that's not a Christmas tree. I say suck it. Yeah. You know what I got? That's equally exciting, but not nearly as dark. What? <laughs> I got a wreath. Oh, you did? Uh, well, I ordered my wreath. Yeah. Every year I get one from, there's a, a farm in Washington state that I, I love them. Um, shout out to Lynch Creek. Yeah. And it's, it's like a real Washington street tree. And then it's, they've got these beautiful wreaths and I just bought one getting delivered. Although I need it delivered Thanksgiving so I can have it and put it up after Thanksgiving. I'm a stickler for Christmas decorations go up the day after Thanksgiving and come down after New Year's and before totally. my birthday. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I've never done this before. Also, just so you know, I don't believe in fake Christmas trees. Just so you know, like Christmas trees are definitely real trees. It's all about the smell, 1 million percent. Exactly. But this year, but this year I'm doing it, I'm getting it. 
I'm going for it. And I'm going to get maybe a Christmas tree scented candle, or maybe just get a real mini tree to put in my house somewhere. So I get the smell. Oh, yeah. I think it was, uh, it sort of stuck out when you said somebody said they saw a really cool vintage Christmas tree. <laughs> like it's interesting. I've never really heard it described that way, but I know me neither. Yeah. Do you remember the days of like going out to the forest and like chopping down a tree and bringing it home? Yeah, 1932. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, some people still do that, but... I, I do love, I love that smell, the smell of, of the tree. And you know what I love too? Is the smell and the sound of a crackling fire, like a real fire oh. in the fireplace. Yeah, I have one of those. It's so nice. Speaking of fire. <laughs> Speaking of fire, yeah. Oh yeah, you told me you, you burned yourself? Yeah. You know how I'm super, super, super clumsy and always do things <laughs> like that. I, I freaking was taking something out of the oven and I just like hit my arm on the grate. What are, what are those rack? called? The, the oven rack. rack. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I was like, ow, but like, I didn't think much of it. I looked down, nothing like, and I wake up like two days later and it's a freaking big ass burn and it's like starting to bubble and gross. And so I had to go like get some of this, like call in a prescription for this cream and wrap it. Will it mess up your tattoo? Cause it's on right, right on one of your tattoos. Is it going to mess it up a little bit? Meh, it definitely might. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It sure could, but. Did it hurt? I mean, clearly when you did it, it hurt, but. Yeah. It hurts way more now. Yeah. It hurts and it oh, like wow. itches and it's, a no Oh, and the best part is it's right where all my bracelets are. Like, so they're constantly banging. So I have to like take all my bracelets and tie them up in a rubber band up top. Most of them don't come off just so you know, or it's a wow. huge pain. So that's why I don't take them off. But oh. anyway, just another day in the life of mega Levy. A, a day in the life of me when I was, geez, 15. My first job was I was a, I worked at a bagel shop and I was the baker. And I think I've told you this, they gave me the keys and I would bike to the shop, bicycle, not motorbike and open up the place and I would fire up the oven. And you know, the oven's like, I don't know, 600 degrees or something ridiculous. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I'm prepping all the bagels and, and getting them ready. And I put the bagels on this huge rack and put it into the oven, like a standing oven. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I remember one of the first times I did it, my my arm, my forearm, like pressed against the oven. <gasps> and I just heard, like, I could hear it sizzle <gasps> like instantly. And it freaking hurt. Like it, it, I think startled me more than anything, but similar, like it had a nice mark a couple of days later and was hurting all over again. And it was, yeah, it was crazy just from like an instant of touching an oven. But that must've been like a, wait, what's worse first or third degree burn? Uh, third degree burn. Must've been like a third degree burn with that hot of a fucking... Yeah. You can remember it by when you were a teenager, did they get to first base or third base? Maybe first. They definitely didn't get to third. So that's how you know third is a more uh, extreme degree than first. Yeah. Or you could just say baseball third base is like closer to a home run. You know some baseball? That's it. There's what? four four diamonds, four little white pad things. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, not there's, four diamonds. No. No, there's <laughs> one diamond that they play on with four, four bases. bases. Four bases, right. four bases. I got it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Speaking of Speaking bases. Speaking of four bases. <laughs> <laughs> so look at that. Look at that. There we go. We're going to give a visual example in here. When you hear it sort of comes at the, towards the end of, it, of the session, I'm, I'm folding a piece of paper, using it as an example to show her and highlight something to her. I will break that down a little more when we come back. So when you hear it, if you don't really follow along, just log in and know that we will make it make more sense in a few minutes. Yes, keep that in mind. I think I've said this to you. I don't believe in work-life balance. I think it all falls under the umbrella of life. And the, the thing we need to balance is, is work, rest, and play. Those three elements, and they're very different. So I think of you as somebody who you are mama to all these people. Always. To your siblings. You were mama bear throughout a lot of your life. You're even mama bear at work to a degree. I'm wondering, like, where for you, under the umbrella of life, but I really want to find out what play 
is for you? I mean, I would say the closest thing that comes to play for me is, I mean, like, okay, this weekend passed, we didn't have the kids. Hmm. So we went up to my eldest sister's house. So we spent a day swimming and barbecuing. That's kind of like my relaxy taxi time. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Friends, but uh-huh. whenever I talk about relaxing, we say relaxy taxi, but that's really pretty much it. <laughs> I like the idea of being a hiker or being a this or being a that, but I'm just not. I don't know if maybe I could be, but to me, it's one more thing that I would have to like, okay, I need shoes. I need clothes. I need gear. I need, it's a little overwhelming, you know? So hanging out with my sisters is my playtime. Well, I want to, I want to lean into this a little more for a minute. I don't know if you ever watched Parks and Rec, Yeah, but they, they call it the treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's, you spoil yourself. You have fun. You go do that thing, goofing off or like having fun time. I wouldn't think it's going to a water park. I, I think you would be more mama bear than like having fun with the kids. If the kids are having fun, that's the best time for me. Yeah. and But it's never relaxing. Exactly. It's not relaxing. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's why rest and play are different. And it's play for them, which feels good to you, but it's not play for you. Yes. You're still working. Yeah. And I'm in hypervigilant mode. Exactly. And I have to know exactly what's happening. And I mean, they're getting older now, so so I can drop my guard a little. Well, what's fun for you? And and you can't say seeing them have fun. Fun for you, whether it's you and one of your sisters, you and boyfriend, just you and not relaxing, not rest. I'm talking fun. Traveling. I love traveling. I'm sure that's a hangover from my childhood, but a couple years back, boyfriend, and I did a Europe trip, which was, I mean, I hadn't been back to Europe since I was 23, 24 years old. So it was amazing. Yes. That to me is, is the best thing. Realistically for our future, we need to not spend any money. And, And literally that's why for so many years I never went because I just was like, no, can't do it. But after my divorce was so stressful, I felt like, okay, I owe this to myself kind of thing was probably for the best. It, I really needed a timeout, like really badly. Yep. The, the universe probably allowed that to happen. So I would take a break because I, I, I got a, like a bleeding ulcer during my divorce. That's how stressed out wow. I was. So I was really, really in a bad place stress-wise. Nobody ever would know. I would just double over in pain in the bathroom and like throw up blood and stuff, but no one ever knew, but I knew. And it was getting to a point where I was like, okay, something's, some ball's going to drop and then that's the end. (laughs) You do have a tendency to just soldier on, keep going, push through. Part of what we're trying to do is slow that down and appreciate where you are when you're there. And part of appreciating it appreciating the trip to Europe and appreciating how wonderful it is and appreciating bleeding ulcers during a divorce and how difficult it was. Appreciating doesn't just mean the good things. It's, it's recognizing the whole breadth of your experience because there is a lot. When you were talking about play, you lit up when you were talking about the trip to Europe and then it turned to what well, made it so difficult, you know, and it, it quickly turned away from play. We'll come back to that in a second. What you just said about I was doubling over in pain and nobody knew, and that's no small thing. I mean, you were going through a divorce, bitter, bitter divorce, and it was, oh man, I mean, I just think of how you described it, like I had no money myself. It was all him, and I had the kids, and there was a fight for the kids and all that, and you were literally doubling over in pain and bleeding, and what do you make of that? It was, I mean, it was horrible. There's no other way to describe it. It really was one of those times in my life where I kind of just, I don't know, I get into a mode where I'm like, it's almost like autoplay really, where I don't allow myself to feel feelings and I just 
Pause, um, pause. What happens yeah. when you feel feelings? Well, then I wouldn't be able to get out of bed and walk myself to court and stand there alone in front of the judge, knowing that I have no legal experience. And it's it's all too overwhelming if I stop and feel the feelings. It's similar to why your sister said, no, I don't want a therapist. I don't want to talk about this stuff. I don't want to go back there. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about, about appreciating your experiences, appreciating what you've been through in your life. And on some level, you can just go, well, yeah, that's what I went through. Yep. Did that. Yeah. Went through the divorce, went to court, bleeding ulcer, still did it. That appreciation for how difficult your life has been. I don't know if you really stopped to do that. I don't. And and in fact, when anybody says it, or when you break it down, it all, it gives me those same feelings as I described to you last time about being a survivor, like a trauma survivor. I've been thinking on that a lot and I feel like I should, I should, I need to reverse the feeling I get because I feel like it should be more of a pride in look at what I accomplished type of thing. But for some reason it holds a negative, like, oh, you're poor traumatized little girl kind of thing. What does that mean? Nothing good. (laughs) (laughs) I I can guarantee you, you and I will walk this path and we'll get to something. We might get to that place of pride or that place of true compassion, but we'll walk through not just how difficult it was, because that's, I don't want to re-traumatize you. That's your sister's fear. I don't want to go back there because I don't want to feel those feelings again. I don't want to do that. But for you, we can even just start with when I said trauma survivor and you kind of shuddered last week. But I think my interpretation of that statement is 100% wrong. I'm just letting you know that's my instant feeling. Yes. And I want, I want the instant feeling because there's something about it that that's what we want to walk towards. It's not about whether the statement is true or false, whether we move more on the spectrum to believing that statement and, and really like owning that. Yes, I am a trauma survivor. I'm going to get the fucking t-shirt and wear it proud. Like, no, nope. That's not what we're talking about here at all. What we're talking about is you have an aversion to that phrase. There's something that it conjures up for you that you're not okay with. And I want to see what that is because that's going to help us release something that that we're we're still holding. So let's turn it to back to the divorce yeah. situation where you said that was a lot to go through and do you appreciate or realize that? I think that in that context I hate drama. I hate people who want everybody to know this is happening to me and that's happening to me. And it seems like they want to make everything about how difficult life is and how much, you know, they have to do and struggle and everything. And to me, I don't want my life to be about my struggles. Overall, when I'm going through something very difficult, that's why. That's why I don't talk about it. That's why I don't recognize it. It's also, I'm sure a protection mechanism, which is what I used my whole life, which is if I stop to feel the feelings, I won't get out of bed. I won't physically be able to do this. I'm going to have some kind of breakdown. You know, someone's trying to steal my kids from me. That's the most traumatizing thing you can ever go through. I think ever for especially a mother and no legal help, no money, just me. So I can't feel those feelings. I actually started drinking during that time, not a lot, but to put myself to sleep because otherwise I I just could not get myself to calm down enough to actually lay down on my bed. Look, I'll say it in a way that you might not like, but it's true that that's a trauma response. That's straight up like going through trauma. You have to, right? Right. You have to do it. So you don't have a choice to be, if you're going to be strong or not, almost. I'm talking about my brain. And we compartmentalize something. It's what we've talked about from day either one or two. (laughs) All those compartments that that we're going to open up. It's not necessarily to dwell 
on what you've been through or kind of do the, oh, woe is me or look at me, look at how difficult my life was. No, that, that's when you said I'm a happy person. I'm like, yeah, I, I believe you. And it's been really difficult and intense. You've learned from a very young age and it's been continuously reinforced. I have to keep moving. I have to keep moving. It's, it's survival. And I don't think you like that word either. That's survival. Mm-hmm. You're not having a good time. There's that mechanism for you. And that's, that's why I want to be able to focus on what play feels like and where we, you get play. It's not about getting something done or what's next or that a sense of accomplishment. It's just that, that exhale. 100%. Yeah. Honestly, when I'm with my sisters, I'm 100% relaxing. No matter what we're doing. We don't really go out a lot. Like we... I don't know. I think we're all just kind of past that age where we care. You know, we're all super good cooks. We just all bring a bunch of food to the house and we just spend the day cooking and hanging Mm. out and talking. And for me, that's probably my favorite thing to do with or without my kids. Without my kids, obviously, it's even more relaxing and just I don't really have to be on guard for anything right technically (laughs) you know of course i'm still like make sure i have my phone next to me and just on the off chance and even right there i mean as a mom you're probably always going to have that i don't know that that goes away right it's that mechanism it's that hyper vigilance it's that always staying on alert on ready it's part of the trauma response it's it's part of what's ingrained in you and i don't know when you've been able to really let that go and and feel truly like, ah, there, relaxed about it. It's not often for sure. It's not often. And it's not for long periods of time. It's usually for four or five hours when and if it happens. But I think a lot of that is me as well. It's me for sure. A lot of that just comes from that hypervigilance that you've had to have for such a long time. And to bring it back to the the sort of frame I was giving this all, it's finding the balance because that that's a form of work. You know, mama bear is your full-time job. You do that in many different places. Even what you just described, that's mama bear mode. Where's the balance with the play and the rest? I'm not saying take away the the, the work. Don't be mama bear anymore. Don't check your phone. I'm not going to ask you to go meditate right now. It'd be horrible. (laughs) We're not there yet. (laughs) No, no. But where we might be is I'm going to ask you to go have fun. So next Wednesday is my birthday. And the following day, boyfriend and I are flying to visit two of my younger brothers. And they both had kids since I've seen them. I think at least I'm setting out for this to just be about that. One of them has like a boat and um, a truck and he loves to go out on the lakes and fish. And so I think we'll be doing a lot of just fun play type things. So as long as I don't make myself the mommy of the children or the caretaker or the house cleaner while I'm there, <laughs> I may be able. You probably will to some degree because that's that's partly what's familiar to you. I'm not going to say that that's you. I'm going to say it's familiar to you. Yeah. And we find comfort in things that are familiar. It's not necessarily comfortable, but the familiarity is comfortable. So you'll do that. It's why... At a lot of parties, people gravitate towards a kitchen. If the party's happening in the living room or outside, at some point there'll be a gathering in the kitchen because it's yeah. th- that room has utility. It's familiar to people. I know what a sink is. I know what a stove does. It, it's it's familiar, so there's comfort in that. Interesting. So people like being in a kitchen. I mean, you can attest to this too. I think it happens to you for a reason. And you probably would be the one that would gravitate towards the kitchen and then grab a sponge and start wiping up counters. That's actually comfort within the comfort. (laughs) You know, that's the familiarity, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. But here's a conundrum for you. So (laughs) quick backstory. I have like a BFF 
compared to her, I don't care about anything at all. <laughs> she is the mothering motherest of all the mothers. Okay. She has her son, her husband for many, many years, go to work, cook, clean, go to work, right? That's just her life. And she loves it. I would go over to her house and just instinctively go and start washing dishes and putting them in the dishwasher or cleaning up. Cause she, she's by no means a messy person, but she is totally fine for a mess to happen while people are there and she's cooking and we're eating and everything's going on. She's like, I'll clean when I'm ready to clean. She literally told me one day, she was like, you cannot go to another woman's house and clean it. (laughs) She's like, I love you. So I'm okay with it, but I've got to tell you, this is not going to fly with most women. And it was again, one of those aha moments because in my mind, I was helping her doing something that I just do naturally and she won't have to do later. But to her, it was like, no, absolutely not. (laughs) But when I don't do something or I don't jump up and say, oh, I got this, or I can take care of that, then I feel guilty. So how do you, how do you reconcile that? Then I feel like, what the hell am I doing then? I'm just sitting here. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. Why? (laughs) I don't know. It bothers me. Why are you sitting there? I don't want to be. I'm sitting there because I've been told I'm not supposed to clean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that opens a whole other can. If somebody tells me something I have to do, uh, no, don't do that to me. Right. I mean, that's, that's got a whole other bag that we can open. So like, I know etiquette wise, I should not go to another woman's house and clean it. Okay. I understand, but I don't like it, but I usually do it anyways. Right. Just because, again, if I don't, I feel like I'm contributing to their workload down the line. Exactly. And honestly, I think it's a coin toss with some people might be super appreciative. Some people might, no, no, don't do that, you know, because they'll feel guilty. And I, I think that idea of you feeling guilty because you're not doing something, that's kind of telling. I need to be doing something. I feel that all the time. Right. If there's a situation and I know I could jump in and fix it, whether it's cleaning or whether it's something at work, I feel if I don't do something, I actually have like a little guilty feeling in my stomach. Like I should be doing it, but I'm being selfish by not doing it. And I don't necessarily think that's correct, but that's my feeling almost always, actually always (laughs) remove the almost. And let's take out whether or not it's correct. Let's take, let's take that piece out and just look at, is that healthy for me? Is that nurturing to me? I don't want to take a lot of these things away from you because they're how you are, what you like doing. I want to challenge them a little bit to see, is there another speed that is uncomfortable for you because it's historically not safe and it's so new and different now that we just don't go there because we'll go to what's familiar and that's comforting. You could be out with a bunch of different moms and all the kids can be running around. You're going to be the one hypervigilant about where are they at all times. Always. Right. And I actually get kind of judgy Two, like when I was married, our neighbors would have big parties that would involve kids and swimming pools and tons of alcohol for the adults. So I would just be like on extra, extra red alert. And and if I would definitely feel a little judgy, these are not my kids. And yet I'm the only one that is sober, <laughs> the only one who's handing kids towels and picking them up when they slip on the side of the pool because everybody else is wasted on the other side of the hangout area. Yeah. And that I'm saying this metaphorically. When do you get to be wasted? Metaphorically speaking. Never. But I almost don't know if I... Well, maybe some part of me wants to, but I don't know that I want to. 
Like I've never in my life gotten to that point where I'm not fully in control. And that's why I said metaphorically, because I don't mean wasted. Yeah, yeah, I know. What I mean by wasted is when do I get to be carefree? When it's not irresponsible, <laughs> which is basically never. When is it not irresponsible? Right, yeah. there we go. Which is basically never. And that's put me in another country on another continent when I don't have my kids with me, then I can be a little carefree. A little, yeah. I'm still going to check in though. Yeah. <laughs> a little, right? Yes. That's a muscle I want to see if we can start to, to work out a little bit, you know, slowly and gradually. Yeah. I think the part of me that feels judgy or judgmental when I see people behaving in a way that I don't like, I think a lot of times it's because I wish I could do that. There's probably an element of, I wish, and it turns into, well, you shouldn't be acting like that anyways. (laughs) There's something not fair about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not fair in a, in a way that makes no sense because it's a choice they're just making a different choice than I am. Yet somehow the translation of that is that it's unfair, which really is only me because I'm the one deciding I can't be that person or I can't let my guard down. That's great insight. So what do we do with that? I have no idea. (laughs) That's why I'm talking to you. (laughs) It's sort of like exposure therapy. It's sort of like Let's do a little bit of that thing, a little bit at a time and see what it's like. We need to create a new neural pathway in your brain, a new way for your brain to see how it can behave and and what it can do. And it knows what it does so well. Like, um, I'm going to give you an example. If you think of your your brain as a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. right? This is what you know. I'm going to fold it. These are, these are the things that we do, that we know how to do, that our brain has these neural pathways connected, and this is yeah. what it knows, and this is what it does, right? So there, that's what I do, okay? Yeah. I go through life, and if I need to do it again, well, guess what? Wow, the next time, it's, it's easier. Super easy, yep. Because the folds are there, right? So if I said, I want you to go out this week and, and do something different, you're going to go, okay, look, I didn't even touch the paper and it just started folding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Really, I didn't even touch it. It just kind of started going that way. It's, it's doing it by itself. And if I want to do it differently and however, I'm going to fold this differently, like, wow, I, I've got to do it here and create a different crease and do it this yeah. way now. And that's going to be different and it's, it's weird and it doesn't seem right. It still ends up kind of being the same thing. And now the fun thing is I open it and what the hell there's folds everywhere. It's very confusing. And we're going to go back to the original way because that's easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've really got to kind of work and train at, at doing something a little different. And it's gradually teaching our brains that we can do something different because it's so worn in and a piece of paper folding a certain way. Okay. I just did that 20 seconds ago. No, that was like awesome. Mind blown right there. Right. (laughs) Cause it's a perfect metaphor for, for exactly what we're talking about. Explain it to me. And it's true. Talk to me about it. It's, it's literally, as you were saying that I am picturing my, my reactions and my, the way that I am when the paper just instantly folded over on its yeah. own, you were saying, okay, I'm going to refold this. But before you could even refold it, it fell over and folded again. <laughs> right. This is how I feel. Definitely how it is with me. I have trained myself, I think probably more so than any, I would say normal I use that with air quotes person because I have had to make decisions and then follow that path sometimes because I literally didn't have any data and I didn't know there was other options. And sometimes I think because of my nature, which is my 
everything to me is always, how can I help? How can I make it better? Right. That's the first thing that ever comes to my mind, no matter where I'm at, that's instant knee jerk reaction for me all the time. That metaphor was perfect because you physically had to go, okay, I'm going to take the paper. I'm not going to let it fold over and I'm going to completely warp it another way and start again. And I would love to be able to do that. But knowing myself after these 40 years I have lived with myself, there's so much conflict that comes with stuff like that. There's so much like guilt, yeah, maybe fear. If I let this little thing go, it's going to be like a floodgate and I'm never going to stop. You know, I'm just going to be the world's laziest person and the world's most selfish person because I'm going to be like, oh my God, that feels good. So there's all that. And here's, here's the thing that's most likely not true, but we don't know that. <laughs> we don't. It is a risk that we're going to have to take if we want to try something different. And anything that's uncomfortable, if we just keep that mantra in our head, it's new and different. I'm not placing a value judgment on it. I'm just saying objectively, it's new and different. Not better, not worse, just new and different. That's why it's uncomfortable. And what we will probably find out, you are a good person. Sometimes I wish I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're a good person for others. Being a good person for yourself is something we're going to uncover and discover. It's something that you deserve in this lifetime. And it's going to take work because we're going to have to fold the paper a different way. Like you said, you warped it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to warp it. We're going to warp your, your brain because your brain has been already warped, washed and formed. And in, in a certain way that has been effective for you. It's also exhausting. And I think if we find that you are not this piece of paper with all these old folds and new folds, if you think of yourself as, an, as a brand new sheet of paper and you get to choose how you're going to fold, where your brain's going to go, why that paper, when I just held it, folded over, even right now, <laughs> it's still doing the original folds, right? Yeah. That's our unconscious mind. And yeah. what it just does without us even thinking about it, it just does what it knows. We're going to bring those unconscious things to our consciousness. That's how we unfold. We're going to get back to that. Okay, now I get to choose how I want to be. And yes, it will feel scary sometimes, uncomfortable sometimes, because it's all new and different. And we'll walk through that together. And we'll start to create those folds, those neural pathways, those choices that you really want in your life. And sometimes it might be, I want to not be so good. And we can see what happens. You know? <laughs> and I, I mean, look, we're not there yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, yeah, just tell ex-husband to go fuck himself. Like, <laughs> oh my <laughs> right. God. Right. That's my Disney movie. <laughs> right. Right. Like I would love to just one time be able to say oh to him, God. fuck off in 120 languages. Right. Yeah. Oh, best day ever. Right. And you know what? We might do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about that. It's about knowing you could and about just that, that moment a second ago when you went, oh God, that'd be so great. <laughs> that feeling is what we can tap into and have. But we're so scared of doing the wrong things, so scared of the consequences, so well-worn with the grooves that we know, so familiar and comfortable that we just keep doing the things that are okay. I don't want you to have an okay life. I want you to have an amazing life, one that thrills you. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I feel like it's definitely only me that's holding myself back from that for sure. But there's a whole element, I guess. So I start giving myself leeways or lenience or being less right. in certain places. All of myself falls away to people, to other people, to right. other people say, oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you, what's going on? Are you upset? What yeah. happened? Uh -huh. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. 
people might not like it because you're not how they remember you to be. Or expect me to be. And then it's their discomfort, not yours. Which is another issue. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to feel their discomfort. You'll feel it and you'll correct. Yep. We have to walk through that and, and do this gradually. No, it, it's going to be gradual because you're, you're going to own it. It's going to come from you first. And part of that is going to be walking through the discomfort of, yeah, I tried this differently and, oh man, somebody didn't like it or it went like this. Okay. And we'll walk through that and we'll process that because your discomfort is going to be what alters your behavior. And when we can sit with our discomfort and be okay with that, then we can be stronger in how you are. Then their discomfort is just theirs. If you do the work, you really own it. When you go, oh, oh, I see that you're uncomfortable with, with me being different. I'm trying to do something different and wonderful in my life. I, I can see that that's uncomfortable, period. Let them deal with it. It's their problem. That's scary because it's different. And we're, we're going to walk through a lot of those things. It's going to be in a lot of different places. Yeah. The, the one that I'm most interested in is internal for you. When we can show your system that it can fold that paper differently, that it, it has more choice. I don't have to be so composed all the time. I don't have to be in fear all the time. That's what we're looking for. Thank you. And we are back. We sure are. So you started with one of my favorite topics that I often, <laughs> almost always talk to clients about, which is fun. Mm. You brought up like how you're not a, you don't believe in work life balance because it's not just work and then life, right? That it's right. work and rest and play and all of it. It's all life. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, and I actually did this last night with a client. First, I just start off with like, what do you like? Cause that was hard enough for her to figure mm. out, but what is right. fun for you? You, you defined it a little bit different, which I think, which I like. Yeah. I often describe having no goals, no responsibilities. It's very kid-like it's without a purpose. It's just because, mm. right? So, right. and I can get how traveling can be fun. And I think that's a little different because there are goals and certain things. An itinerary and a, An yeah, itinerary. things you want to see or things you want to do. Sure, sure, sure. But I think of fun as like you're walking on the boardwalk or the beach and all of a sudden you see a swing and you go and jump on it. Yeah. Just very kid-like where there's no, we don't have an agenda. We don't have a purpose. We just do it to do it. I think of it too as, as there's no right or wrong to it. That's why I call it play. Right. Because it, it's fun is like, well, what's fun? How do I find fun? Right. What's fun for me? That's a mood thing. Right. And it's like, is it fun or do I feel down or depressed or, you know, whatever it might be. Yet play is just play. It's, it's that carefree childlike thing that you're describing. That's my distinction right. when I talk about it. And I think it's having that play is... Yeah, there's there's no right or wrong to it. You just do it for the sake of doing it and you're and you're in it. Yeah. And there's so many times I ask clients what they do for fun. They're like, I go to yoga and I'm like, mm, okay, but like, is that fun? I mean, I get it. It can be grounding and it can be amazing. Sure, I guess it, it could be fun, but there's usually a point to it. There's usually right, a right. I want to good point be healthy in my mind or calmer. I want to have my health, like it's usually health related. Or for some people it's a practice because you're trying totally. to get better at something. Yeah. Right. And I'm, and I'm, you yeah. know, I'm not saying it can't be fun. Right. But sure. that's people's go-to usually is there. I like to read. I like to, okay, sure. Is there a goal involved in that? Do you want to finish it? Do you want to learn something from it? Sometimes reading is just for fun. I get that. Again, you're saying that that's okay if there is a purpose or something like totally. that. That's totally fine. Yeah. But what, what you and I are talking about, you call it fun, I call it play. Yeah. And it's it's sort of like I think of like, I mean, even if you took an improv class, ooh, you should take an improv Fuck class. Fuck no. You've never done Hell acting. You've never no. done any of that, have you? I would rather wow. fill in the blank. 
than take an improv <laughs> class. Absolutely not. That is my I biggest that. nightmare. I'm using that. I love that quote. I would rather fill in the blank like that. <laughs> <laughs> and just stick anything in there. That's awesome. So, okay. So for someone that has done improv classes, for me, it, it was really interesting going back to acting days, like you're doing this thing that's supposed to be play. Right. And, but it's partly work because you're trying to improve and get better and it's practice right. and you're, you're improving skills. And it's it's really tough because the best improv and the best times that I've had as an actor is when it can actually be play. Yeah. When you really throw yourself into the moment. And I think sometimes the best actors can do that. Right. It's a wonderful thing if you can do that in your regular life. Find that sense of play because it is very childlike, I think before we had stresses and concerns and expectations and judgment. And it's finding that for ourselves. I like to make the distinction between that and rest because some people will think that yeah. work-life balance, like, no, it's not that. And play or fun versus rest, like even Sarah called it relaxy taxi time. Right, right. right. And it's, all right, that's cool. That That's like chill time. What I was talking about and I used Parks and Rec was more like the the treat yourself. You yeah, know, like that, yeah. that, that mentality, like do something just carefree and fun. Yep. Footloose and fancy free. That's right. So, and again, I mean, we would love to know what you guys think about this topic or what you do for fun or, and, or how you play. Yeah. And there are going to be people whose fun is someone else's work, right. Or whose fun is someone else, you know, everybody's totally. different, but, but I think we, it's hard to think of what do we do for fun? People have asked, like, do you do you watch the show? I don't know if you do the show In Treatment. No. And there's one I think called Couples Therapy. People are like, oh, these are great shows. You would love it. Like, would I? Yeah, no, it's my work. Yeah, it's my work. I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I think it was just, it's such an interesting topic for me. And initially yeah. she was like, well, like went to my sister's and barbecued and swam and the kids weren't there. And I'm like, yes, total fun. That sounds great. And no responsibilities. Sure. Phone was on for her kids, but whatever. And she said one of her most fun things is like watching her kids have fun. And we're like, well, yeah, right. fun, not relaxing. It's not play. Well, and it's someone else's play. And right. even when she was saying like, see all the kids running around. Sure. She was also talking about, she's the one making sure like, nobody drowns and making sure the kids are okay and like yeah. getting them towels and stuff. Yeah. And she's, she's always in that mode of, of mama bear of the one that's taking care of everything. Right. Yep. Yeah. That, that's part of what we were highlighting. Like, Oh, right. She's in that mode all the time. It's all work. That's not, that's not rest and that's not play. It might be fun, but it's not, it's not restful. It's not playful. Right. It's that fight or flight mechanism. I thought it was interesting when she said she's the most relaxed when she's with her sisters. That's like the most yeah. relaxing thing for her. And I loved that she said, and we're such good cooks. We're super good cooks. I was like, <laughs> fuck right. yeah, I love someone that can take, be confident and like be able to be, have pride in what they are good at instead oh, of being yeah. like, oh, I mean, I'm okay. No, fuck. We can cook. We're good cooks. Right. I loved that. So, and then I think that just her being the most relaxed around her sisters. I was like that. I find that interesting for some reason. When I heard that, I didn't necessarily think relaxed in the sense that we're talking about work, rest and play. I thought about it as in not so on guard, not so protective of uh -huh. anything or on high alert around my sisters who had a very similar upbringing and experience and they know me. I can just drop my guard and be myself and it's comfortable. That's the relax that I took it to mean. Uh -huh. So it's not necessarily like calm, chill, totally blissed out. It's more like I'm just not guarded and I'm not hypervigilant and on, on high alert at all times. Right. So there was this one part where she talked about how during her divorce, she had a literally bleeding ulcer and nobody knew Yeah, that like, she just totally right. played it off. She didn't allow herself to feel the feelings, which is fine because she wouldn't have been able to show up in court. That that's the protective mechanism. She needed to do that, which is totally fine. And 
at some point, okay, now I can sort of collapse, not like my life, but let myself have feelings for a little bit. And I think she, she said that she really doesn't want to be the person who's like, Oh, this happened. And like, want to make everything about how difficult life is. And she said at some point, which I connected to, I don't want to make my life about my struggles. And my thought was, look, our lives are about every single thing. Struggles are part of our story as are the piece of the pie that there's, we have the whole pie and within the pie, she's a mom and a daughter and a sister and a whatever she does for a living. I can't remember. And, a um, <laughs> and a trauma and, survivor and, and a trauma and survivor badass. and a, yeah. all of it. And struggles are all part of it. That's just how it is. When you have that complete picture of this is everything in the picture. Yes. And if you remember when she was talking about her, her bleeding ulcer during the divorce and how she would never tell anybody and just get through it. I said, yeah, you have a tendency to, to soldier on. And I use soldier there for a a purpose because we think of soldiers as you're going to war classically you go to war and you do this thing and you need to just keep going and and carry it out and uh, even go on like autopilot or autoplay like she said i don't allow myself to feel feelings right and classically too for for ptsd we think of it a lot of us think of it as a soldier goes to war right over there wherever there might be, experiences that trauma of war and then comes home and now they're home and they need to, what, live life again as they used to? It's so hard. They have what's called PTSD. Right. And for a lot, I think that sense of, well, I'm still a soldier, but you're not at war. How do you kind of reintegrate back into life? Right. And it's so hard because you you do compartmentalize a lot of things during whatever war it might be. And the divorce sounded like that was a war too. Totally. So she compartmentalized the hell out of things in order to get through it. And like she said, when she said, I don't allow myself to feel feelings, I stopped her and was like, hang on, what happens when you feel feelings? Right. Let's go there. Right. And I think she said something to the effect of like when people tell her to like appreciate her experiences and her instinct is like, no, no, because those experiences give her the same feelings as being a trauma survivor. Right. And so she's just like, no, if I stop to feel the feelings, I won't get out of bed. No, thanks. Right. For her, it's kind of a binary thing. And for a lot of people, it's, well, if I, if I open the floodgates, then I'll be flooded. And she even said something like, yeah, if I feel the feelings, I won't get out of bed. So I just don't go there. Like right. I, I, I can't go there because then for her, it's, I don't know how to touch going there and come back. If I go there, boom, floodgates are open. It all comes out and I don't know what to do with any of this. It's overwhelming. There's too much, you know, and it's, we don't have to do it that way, but it feels like that when you're fresh off of, and not even off of, she's still in that mode of protecting herself and soldiering on with a lot of what she's gone through in life. Totally. That's why I think last week I said, yeah, you're not just a trauma survivor. You're still experiencing trauma. Yeah. She's being re-traumatized. Right. Well, then she mentioned that next week is her birthday and that she was going out to see her family, which again, I don't think we as listeners know enough about her family and the siblings and who it is that she spends time with to know, you know, I imagine there's certain parts of family where you're like, ugh, this is like an obligation and it's going to be tough or certain siblings. I mean, right. when you have that many siblings that are like, oh, this is so pleasant. But I sounded like she said she's looking forward to it and it should be fun. And especially as long as she doesn't make herself the the mom or the cleaner or whatever. Right. That was interesting too, when she was talking about like being the cleaner Uh and, and how that works. And it's, I said it in this episode that I think a lot of people gravitate towards a kitchen because we know the function of a kitchen. Totally. I mean, I also really want food. So there's that (laughs) and usually alcohol, but like otherwise still, yes, it's a place that you can be in where you're not just like, dude, like it's comfortable. 
it's comfortable, right? It's functional and people, people know the function of a kitchen. So even if you're not actively doing something in the kitchen to prepare for something and, and, you know, her being a good cook and, and same with right. a lot of her family, like, cool, they're probably very comfortable in the kitchen and comfortable with each other in the kitchen, but you could be at a party and you will find that people gravitate towards a kitchen because that's, that's a room that's known when you're just in a living room. Sometimes that's too exposed to be yourself and totally. be vulnerable and interact. Like, I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. But it's, it's a kitchen makes more sense. So we go there for the containment of it Yeah. and that familiarity. And I was kind of highlighting to her, like, that's partly what she was saying was like, I just start, I start cleaning. I start doing that thing. And it's just what I know that that's how I do things. And when she was telling the story about her friend telling her, you don't have to clean up. Her friend was saying, look, I know you, I love you, but you know, you can't do this everywhere you go. Oh no. She didn't say that. Don't come to another woman's house and clean. Right. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, look, I, I I'm totally fine with some, not that I'm a woman and it's my woman's house, but I'm totally fine with somebody coming to my house and cleaning. Absolutely. I'm fine with you coming to my house and cleaning. So sure. please come to this woman's house and clean. Like I was like, How, <laughs> right. but I get what she's saying. I totally get it. Right. And we will post your home address uh, for everybody to see <laughs> so they can come and clean. But I, I think where I would draw the line at cleaning is, but don't start putting like dishes and silverware in the wrong places. That's where like, I have things the way I like them. Well, yeah. So, right. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't want to mess up. I think that's sort of what she was saying. Like, you don't clean another woman's home. Like partly that, but partly it's a unintentional commentary on the state of that house, right? Totally. Or I'm not able to do it a lot on my own. So, so you're doing it for me. It's definitely can be misconstrued. Right. And then she talked about though, if she's just sitting there doing nothing, she feels guilty. And right. if there's some situation that's there that she can help with or fix or whatever. And she doesn't, she feels guilty. And, right. and I get that. I get, I was raised like you always offer and you always help and you get up after dinner and you clear the table. If you're at your own house or someone else's house and you offer to help with the dishes and sure. that's what I do. Um, and yep. it's strange for me to just kick my feet back and watch someone else do it all. Right. And what's, what's really cool for me, cause I am a therapist, right? And I think you are also. Really? And, uh, <laughs> really? What does that mean? As a therapist, I'm listening to this and I'm kind of going, okay, what I'm working on with her is shaping new neural pathways and recognizing where old ones have been connected. And we're hearing something where the imprinting on her brain from an early age is still here. It's sort of like, I mean, you could try this with friends and just kind of go, hey, do you remember your childhood phone number? I do. I know. Right. And you might even remember your, your best friend's phone number. I did that uh -huh. recently with a friend of mine. I was talking about like, Hey, what was your phone number of your mom's house in like 11th grade? Was it this? She's like, no, that was our house over there. I think that number was this. So you know, crazy. we knew those numbers. I don't even know my own fucking phone number now. It's crazy. Well, nobody knows that stuff now. I know. But back then, even a, a friend of mine said she remembered her parents' license plate when they lived in France and had a car in <laughs> France and she remembered that license plate. Right? So crazy. And why, why do our brains remember this string of numbers? We have some neural pathway connected. We have some, something is embedded in there and I'm trying to highlight for her the way things get embedded and that trying to unlearn your childhood phone number and remember a different one. That's wild. Totally. That's when I use the, the folding paper example. Well, yeah, do it. Tell us about it. Well, okay. So <laughs> I mean, maybe we will probably post a little video clip of this, but okay. if you have a, a piece of paper and you just start folding it, and I'm just going to fold it in half okay, and fold it in half again okay, and maybe even fold it in half one more time. Okay. Right? Yeah. So now you have a, a folded up piece of paper. Okay. If you unfold it, it's not going to look like a fresh piece of paper anymore. It's going right. to be folded, right? Right. And if you say, okay, hey, fold that piece of paper again, it's going to just start going into the shape that it took when you were folding it the first time, 
right? So if you want to fold it differently, like now if I want to make a paper airplane, right, it's going to be weird. Like the, the folds aren't going to line up. They're, I'm folding something against where something was folded before. Right. It doesn't really make sense. It's, it, I'm sorry, I'm like totally making paper noises. But see, <laughs> this is it. We're doing it. And there's my paper airplane. But even in the paper airplane, you can see the folds from where I folded it in halves many times, right? Dude, so genius, Doug. So genius. And I did not come up with it. I don't remember where I picked it up. It's not original, but it really helps show her the example of how things get embedded in your brain and how, how deeply connected they are, even when you're not thinking about them. And what was cool was with her, I did that. And when I made mention of it again, like about, and the paper, and she just kind of went, it's just going back itself. Like it's doing, it just moved as you were saying that. I'm like, yeah, perfect. Like, thank you, paper. <laughs> she was literally like mind blown. Right. Again, I, I loved it because it really is showing you like what we're trying to do in therapy by creating different neural pathways and different ways of being or acting might seem like, oh, okay, yeah, that's how you do it. Intellectually, I get that. But when you're actually doing it, it's not always easy. Totally. In fact, it's often not easy. And if people go, man, how come I keep making the same mistakes or keep doing the same thing or keep doing it this way? Because it's well-worn. We don't really think about the things that shaped us when we were kids. How often do you think about your childhood phone number? How often have you thought about your childhood phone number before I mentioned it? Maybe... Four times in the past 40 years. 40 years, right? Crazy. Yeah. But it's in there embedded. Yep. And that's where, if, if we're now talking about your childhood phone number, and now we're going to try to make that number different, have you remember something different, it's going to be tough. Right. So everybody out there, if you're doing the work to kind of try to change your habits or change how you think about things, remember that it's hard work. It's hard work and it takes time. It's possible. It's very, very possible, you know, as evidenced by my paper airplane, right? It's very possible. It's just hard work, takes time, and sometimes we need help. Totally. 100%. And I think you said something with, I don't know how it came up. You were talking about a brand new sheet of paper and you get to choose the folds and stuff like that, and which I think right. is amazing. And I don't know if she said it or someone else said it or... <laughs> All those Someone other else. people in the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> but something to the effect of people might not like it that you are different than mm -hmm. they expect. And you're just going to walk through it and be okay with it and be confident because, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this before, like the quote unquote identified patient, you start to make these changes and the people around you are still going to expect the same reaction. Or if all of a sudden you tell your right. kids, you know what? You do the dishes. I'm not doing them. And you actually don't do them. They're like, mom, you're like, no, no, right. you do them. I'm literally not. Right. And then they get mad or when you don't have a big reaction and you used to, or you used to have no reaction and now you express emotion, people get thrown off and right, right. that's their shit. And it doesn't mean we have to be, you know, completely dismissive of that. Like, yeah, oh, that's their shit, not yeah. mine. But it's recognizing like, and I did say it in here, like, right, that's their discomfort. And we have to be careful that we don't take their discomfort on and go, oh, I'm letting them down because I'm not meeting the expectations they had of the old me. Right. That is not how I'm trying to be now. So let me acknowledge their discomfort and go, oh, yeah, I see that's uncomfortable because I'm actually trying to be different and improve my life and be different. Right. And if you mention it that way, like, sure, they can go, oh, well, yeah, that's a little uncomfortable. What are they going to say? Like, no, no, I don't want you to be different and grow and have a wonderful life. I want you to be the same that I expect you to be so I can be comfortable, even though you're going to be suffering. Yeah, they very well might. And that's when you say, <laughs> you say, okay, bye-bye. Right. And I think I even said, and yeah, all right, well then fuck you. Right. And that's, totally. chances are the, the real people around you that you yeah. want around you are going to support that. And those yeah, yeah. that don't, well, they're not the people that you want to have around you. Right. You know who I want to have around me? Me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Meredith, you. All of you guys, everybody, not everybody, not you or you, but you and you <laughs> and you. God, you remember Romper Room looking through the- Oh my uh, God, yes. Was it like the magic mirror? 
the looking glass, the mirror. Yeah. The, something like that. Not the looking glass. What the fuck ever. I don't oh, know. Man. Something like that. The romper room mirror. You guys have no idea what we're talking about. Cause that's like literally 40 years old. Totally. Well, speaking of 40 years old, we are going to <laughs> take our nap, go rest our weary eyes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We will be back here with you for you about you next week. In the meantime, find us on all the social media outlets, places, things to get social media. We're on, we're on the everything. Just look for your mental breakdown. We'll be there and we're on the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash your mental breakdown, or you search for your mental breakdown, you'll see all the Drew episodes on there. I don't think it's called the Patreon, Doug. I think it's just called Patreon. Oh, I heard about it on internet. (laughs) Oh wait, that's the internet? All these rules. All right. right. Well, follow all the rules and uh, enjoy and live your life. And take no shit. That's right. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.